Hello, Cyclone fans. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network here with another episode of my Off the Record podcast series where I sit down with newsmakers and people who I deem to be interesting people who make the world of Iowa State athletics tick. And we are, as always, brought to you by the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, reminding you no matter what her age, this is my case at least, she's always going to be her little girl, minus four. Her name is Cammie, and I love her more than anything in the world. We play dress up a lot. Someday I hope to coach her in games, but one of the most important things that I can ever do for her is go to the doctor. The Iowa Clinic makes it easy for me to be there for him. And that's because I have, for her that is, I have an established provider. His name's Dr. Nicholson. I go to the Ankeny location. I can have appointments scheduled online at iowaclinic.com. Or one thing I love about the Ankeny spots where I go, 515-875-9000. I can pretty much always get in on the same day. Be a man. Go to the doctor. That's my pitch for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, the most important endorsement I can ever get. All right. Uh, today's off-the-record podcast with the man of the Iowa State Athletics Department. It's Jamie Pollard. Usually sit down with him about once a year. Wanted to do it again at the end of the season and talk to him about recent contract extensions to Steve Prohm, Bill Finley, the rise of the Iowa State wrestling program, and, of course, everything going on with football as well. And we also dig into some um, uh, fan, I don't want to call them issues, but it is it is interesting to hear Jamie Pollard talk about, you know, what his expectations are for Iowa State's growing fan base as it evolves. And uh, I think he has some really interesting things to say about um, college basketball, the direction it's going, and one-and-done kids, the NBA, all that stuff. I think it's fascinating. Pollard is candid, as always, and we'll get to that. Uh, after a few words here from a couple of other sponsors. Lawn care with unmatched service. Landscapes custom design. Sprinkler systems installed and serviced. Thanks, Central Iowa, for 30-plus years of your support. A-plus lawn and landscape. Hey, guys, it's Williams. We'll get you back to your podcast here momentarily, but it's wanted to talk to you about eye care, of course, today. And my friends at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. They meet your whole family's vision needs, and they did that to me about a year ago, where I got in and had my first eye exam since my childhood. Dr. Kruger was like, what are you doing, man? You got to come in and get your eyes checked more often. And I'm glad that I did. They found some stuff. They got me these designer glasses that I wear when I work now, when I'm creating content for you at psychbonefanatic.com. It has decreased my headaches Incredibly. Uh, It's been fantastic. I I didn't even know half the stuff that Dr. Kruger was telling me about. And I'm assuming if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you're probably in the same boat. Get in there to Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Personalized eye care, designer eyewear. They've got same-day, same-week appointments, and they are really good people. And they help support us here at CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Hey, guys. It's Jared here with another message from Mechdark. Are you interested in designing, developing, and integrating intuitive audio-visual user interfaces while working with a world-class team and elite clients all over the globe? Well, listen up. Mechdyne is currently looking for talented rock stars in our application engineering group. You can get your foot in the door at an awesome company with a super fun culture that I've seen firsthand with my own eyes. Even better, these guys are hardcore Cyclone fanatics. So go visit the career page at mechdyne.com. That's M-E. C-H-D-Y-N-E dot com. Check them out today. Uh, up here at Iowa State, always look forward to sitting down with Jamie Pollard. And what a year. Uh, how are you doing, Jamie? It's good, to, it's good to be here. I'm doing really well. It's always nice to have you up here in the office. It's fun. You know, a beautiful, sunny spring day in Iowa. And we just got done with some outstanding basketball over the weekend. So all's good. That's good. I um we we usually meet in August, I think, is when I usually come up here and we do kind of a season preview. But I thought that this year was worthy to do a kind of a year in review. All right. To, just because I think it was such a – I thought it was a great year up, up in Ames. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. Like, for me personally, being around it, I don't know if I've enjoyed covering Iowa State as much as I did this year, just in general. 
Well, it's been an outstanding year, both uh, in the classroom for our student athletes, but also um, competitively. And, and we still have some of the year left. I know it's not the sports that you know, yeah. people are um, you know, clamoring to come see, but um, we do have some great spring sports and golf and uh, track and field and tennis and softball still to play out. But um, the year to date has been absolutely fabulous competitively, probably the best in the history of Iowa State if you benchmark it by how we've uh, performed in the Big 12 Conference because we currently sit second in the Big 12 all sports standings and the highest Iowa State's ever finished since the Big 12 was formed um, was fifth of 10th. Um, you know, I know my wow. first year here we had 12 of our 18 teams get last. Now, I know that first year here, that was 14 years ago, Chris. But, um, and we had a run there where we had seven straight years where we were 12th to 12th in the Big 12 in the sports standings. So the fact that um, not only are we on pace to be in the upper half for only the second time in the history of the league, we're in second place by a long shot. And so um, that's pretty exciting. It, you told me that. I remember sitting in this very office – and I, I wasn't very old, and all I could think about was, oh, you know, how's Iowa State going to win a football championship? Or, you know, I didn't have a lot of perspective at the time. And you walked me through that day what the Director's Cup was and how that was ultimately your goal was to, you know, improve in that. And I think, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly how you put it, but it – it's fun to see that all come together. And can you can you just explain to fans like your mindset is like the athletic department as a whole and why that's so important? Well, you know, it just goes back to the brand. Um, there's yeah. a lot of a lot of different metrics you can measure to uh, figure out are you on track to have success, right? Mm -hmm. And in our department, though, we've stayed pretty steadfast to five major. Uh, metrics and I'm not even going to say their goals because there's goals throughout the year that you have yeah. but there's five things we've benchmarked consistently over the last 14 years and we knew if those stayed steady and continued to improve all the other metrics would have to be going really well yeah and so those five the first two are academics and it's um, what do you do in the moment meaning how do our student athletes perform in the classroom in a semester and the peer is the rest of the students on campus. And so do we have a better GPA than the rest of the students? And if that happens, then you know in the moment our student athletes are doing well academically. The second benchmark then academically is, well, how does our graduation rate compare? Because again, if you know you're, they're doing well in the moment, then you also want them to do well over time so that they actually get their degree. And then we have three metrics that we talk about athletically. One is local. How do we do in the Cyhawk series? Um, number two is how do we do in the Big 12 all-conference standings, which is how do you do at the conference? However, that sport determines their conference finish. And then thirdly is how do you do on the national level in the Director's Cup? And so those are five things that we have tracked since day one and have been really important to um, – I think our brand and, you know, are we doing what we say we're going to do with student athletes in terms of academics? Mm -hmm. And are we giving them a really good athletic competitive experience? Um, and by all accounts, we've been fantastic. Football has really kind of led the way, too, it seems like the last couple of years at least. I mean, you, you, I've heard you talk before and it's no secret that that's if you want to grow your brand football is the best way to do it how oh absolutely because it just touches so many yeah. people that um you just can't touch in any other sport in that kind of mass and so being good in football you know really shines a light but what i'm most proud of is you know it winning in football is so much harder than most people think and a lot lot harder at iowa state um just based on demographics yeah, and, you know, the, the depth you need on that roster that is much harder to get when you're in a footprint that, well, number one, is a small state. Number two, is surrounded by a bunch of small states. Yeah. Number three, your state's divided, so you're not the only school in the game in your state. And then another factor that most people don't even think about is, you know, if you really want to have a good football program, you got to have depth, and the way to have depth is you got to have great walk-ons. you got to have kids growing up to want to be in – your program. 
Well, you take all those demographics and say small states, small states next to you, um, competing programs in your state and next to you. But here's one most people don't think of. You know, we're the footprint of most of the great one AA or FCS programs, Northern Iowa, good North Dakota State, South Dakota State, you know, and um, what those programs do is they get to offer, offer partial scholarships. So those are the kid, the kids that are getting offered in those programs are the same kids that Iowa and Iowa State and Nebraska want to walk on, you know, and so they're choosing between walking on at Iowa or Iowa State or getting a you know, a partial scholarship to go play at one of those programs. So, you know, all of that just makes it harder. Okay. What I'm most excited about, though, is as we've built it and got to a level where football is actually good and football is robust and exciting, it isn't the only thing that's happening in our department. Yeah. You know, because you could judge an athletics program and say, oh, they got a good football program, but if you got under the hood, they're terrible at everything else. And um, what I said from day one when we got here is, you know what, I'm going to care about the tennis athlete, the swimmer, the runner, the wrestler, just as much as I'm going to care about the football player, okay? Now, they all may have different runways of how you get them to where you want to get them to. Yeah. Some are easier to get there than others, you know. Um, but what's been really neat is it's kind of all come together at the same time, which is pretty unique. And that, to me, is what is really exciting about being athletics director is we're peaking at the right time with all our sports. The football deal is really interesting to me too, because one thing you didn't mention was just, you know, being at the northern post of the of your of your league. And if you if you put a map where Division One football players are, there's more of them in the south. I mean, this, that's another demographic thing. And what what Matt has been able to do has kind of shift that. I mean, the, the well, he's debunked that myth. Yeah, because that's a myth that, um, quite honestly, we've we've heard that myth many a time and. Um, whether it's football or golf mm -hmm. or softball, you know, you, you hear that myth and you can be led to believe it, but then some great coaches come along and they can change that paradigm. And, you know, what Matt's done, which I, you know, is really impressive is he stopped trying to spend all his time fishing in the South. In Texas and, and Florida. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't mean we don't recruit down there, Yeah, but you know, we've been going into North Dakota and South Dakota and Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin and, um, and has found a way to create a niche that, you know, we're the Big 12's Midwest, um, you know, uh, opportunity. Yeah. It's interesting um, because I was I was kind of one of those guys for so long where it led to believe that that it wasn't possible. But then I saw for so long, like, you know, Iowa State would, you know, spend its last three scholarships on just, just flyers in Texas and Florida. And I felt like sometimes it was just because it was Texas and Florida. We're now – I don't know. It just seems like Matt's told me before, like you, you, you recruit guys, number one, who really want to be football players. And that's it. That to me, it seems like the locker room I, I was doing this, is a better way to put it. I was doing the Iowa state Athlon, the preseason magazine, the preview, I was doing it over the weekend. And I got to thinking about it. Two guys could be first round draft picks leaving early. Iowa state hasn't had a guy leave early since Troy Davis in 97 yet still when you're putting uh you know the piece together for next year you could easily slot iowa state at third in the big 12 which is really saying something you lose that much um those type of guys and again that hasn't happened in decades and you're still right there it says a lot about recruiting and development well it does and um you know what i think is most exciting about where we are with football is that point is, um, you know, the depth is starting to uh, make the boat float higher. And, yeah. um, but that depth comes from, you know, a very uh, focused and a very um, um, deliberate and intentional effort on their part of where they're recruiting and, mm -hmm. and how they're going about doing what they're doing. And, you know, in fairness, you know, again, one of the things that's made them be able to have a bigger footprint in the Midwest that maybe some others haven't in the past is um, that's where they're from too. You know, so, yeah. you know, we're not getting into Ohio in total because we've gone over there and just put the big 12 flag up and said, we want to be the big yeah. 12s option in the Midwest. Um, that's certainly a battle cry, but that battle cry is being given to high school coaches that know many of our staff because that's where they're from. And so, 
Um, you know, if they were all from Texas, you know, they may be total yeah. outsiders in Ohio. That's one. And then the other part of it is, I think, just Matt's philosophy on how his staff is building this program. And, you know, from day one, I go back to the press conference, you know, I, I talked about it, saying that, you know, we wanted to get a football coach that wanted to run. And maybe I was simplifying the matter. What I really was saying is a football coach that believes that the game is won in the trenches and, you know, came from that kind of background. You know, I think a lot of people forget Matt played defensive end and, you know, he was a defensive lineman in, in his playing days. Yeah. He, he looks maybe more like he'd have been a wide receiver yeah, or the quarterback. Trimmed down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, that was kind of, you know, that's his bread and butter. Um, and so, you know, he's building the program out that way. But, you know, that's when you look at our footprint, you know, in this footprint in the Midwest, you're going to be probably low on skilled players but high on great developmental players, kids that just want to play football. And a lot of them play with their, you know, hand on the ground, you know, and so we've been benefiting from that. But then you can move them too. I mean, I know that they're uh, experimenting with the McDonald kid this year. comes in as a D lineman and uh, he might be playing linebacker. He may be the next Ted Hendricks. Yeah, there you go. I can't wait for football. I was – the basketball deal, I – You do realize by me saying Ted Hendricks – Three-fourths of your listeners. They don't like, know who that is. They have not. Yeah. No, go, very young audience. Okay, Ted Hendricks, just for the young audience out there, okay, I'm really dating myself. But uh, Clay Matthews was Ted Hendricks before he was Clay Matthews, maybe? Yeah, that okay. Would be, that would be a, maybe a, an yeah, analogy. Now you can fair. tell I'm using Packer analogies. But, that's okay. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers got heated the other day. Did you see that? I did, but, you know, I you got just, a little upset. You, yeah. There's some turmoil in your in Packer land, apparently. Yeah, there's been plenty of turmoil. We haven't been very good the last couple of years. Yeah, try being a Vikings fan. Yeah, Trust that's me. true. That's a route you don't want to go down. The, the the basketball stuff, I was I was excited when Coach Prome and Coach Finley got extensions. Selfishly, I just really like them. I, they're they're great to be around. They um, They're just – uh, they're just really good people, and they their teams respond that way. I, I feel like on the basketball court as well. What um, can you just walk us through the decision t- uh, on your part to to extend both of those guys? Well, um, you know, let's start with Coach Fenley, and you know his record speaks for itself. Yeah, it's easy. I mean, twenty five year. Well, be, next year will be his twenty fifth year, so I don't want to age him too soon. Right? <laughs> but uh, twenty four years, five hundred wins. I mean, come on. You I mean. You can use your calculator and do the math however you want. Use the slide rule. It's a lot of wins every year. Um, you know, he's been a perfect fit for us. He he, long time ago developed the recipe of how to be successful at Iowa State. And so, um, you know, he, he certainly earned it. But at the same time, you know, his both Coach Prohm and Coach Fenley's contracts were down to three years after this year. So, you know, we were in a spot where we were going to need to do something. Yeah. Um, I mean, not doing anything would have been doing something. It would have sent a message that maybe you didn't want sent. Yeah. So, um, so I knew we were going to do something. And then you just, you know, you don't talk about it during the season per se, because I just, I don't big believer and you just don't do that. But that doesn't mean I'm not talking about it behind the scenes with Dr. Winterstein and with my staff and um, trying to figure out, you know, what do we want to do with each of their situations and, um, had those skids all greased and ready to go so as soon as the season ended you know uh, bill lost that night and you know i I let him wait one night but i you know texted him in the morning and said let's meet you know uh, i said you're you're on the clock it's your time i completely give you and whatever time you need to kind of get over what just happened but i didn't want you to be thinking well what's jamie thinking yeah. and so you know we were able to meet on thursday after the game was over it was i think that was a tuesday night if i remember correctly uh, a monday night monday night yeah. and so we were able to meet on um that thursday and you know it was pretty much done in a matter of 30 minutes in my office because you know bill wanted to be here we wanted him to be here and we were able to figure it out. I feel like um, Bill, real quick, before we move on to Steve, I feel like he's kind of reinvented himself a little bit too the last few years. Just not uh, that he was ever losing it, but the teams, I don't know. I, he He's talked about it. You know, and Tommy had the really good piece, I thought, on, you know, how he contemplated retiring. He's just having more fun now. And I, I don't know. It's been it's been fun to watch. You know, we talked about that some. Um, you know, uh, I've I certainly noticed it. You know, and that could be a combination of his staff and it could be a combination and probably as a big factor is, 
You know, you have Bridget Carlton as your alpha. Yeah, you know, bringing, she's great. Yeah, I mean that that can really make you sleep a lot better at night. Absolutely. So you know, how much of it is related to that too? Who knows? Um, you know, I did comment to him when we met that I really appreciated how he's been the last couple of years. I said he, I told him he looked younger. Um, no, I, I think and, I, I see that. And so, how will that play out next year? Because you know, he's not going to have Alexa and um, you know Bridget and. Um, um, Meredith, mm-hmm. you know, that were two or three individuals that clearly um, played a lot of minutes for us and and were great senior leaders that probably brought a lot of calm to any coach, right? Yeah, that's true. So next year he may, you know, it may, they may age him a little bit, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, with time he's like a wine that's aging well. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like, I don't know, who knows with recruiting, but it seems like they're doing quite well yes. going down that road. and that. I think right. Billy has really helped yeah. um, because I think, um, you know, Bill's got a very uh, mature staff that's been with him for a long time. And I think Billy's presence over the last several years has um, maybe just brought a new way of thinking to that staff. And, and that, that's good for them, good for all of them. Uh, and then Coach Prome, uh, you extended him as well. And um, – it was a interesting season. There were a lot of ups and downs in it, but I, I mean, I, I was happy that you did it. What can you walk us through? That well, decision. I mean, the fact of the matter is, again, same as Bill. Um, you know, they had three years, so you knew you had to do something. And um, you know, let's face it. I mean, we, um, by all measures, we had a great year. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, you know, I, I know there were maybe some ups and downs, but the fact of the matter is we were still Big 12 champs. We were in the Big 12 race for a long period of time. We had huge road wins. We finished 21 in the net. Here's an interesting stat, okay? Okay. Um, and this is part of my now being on the basketball committee is 14 of the 16 teams in the Sweet 16 were in the top 16 in the final net. Wow. And That's a stat. And the 15th yeah. team was ranked 18th. Wow. So what that tells you is, number one, net was a really good predictor of who was going to have success in the NCAA tournament. The net is a predictor of seed, and the net was a good predictor of who got the at-large. My take on it is the net will continue to grow in its importance to being in the NCAA tournament and what your seed is. So when I look at that and go, we were finished the year – 21 in the net that tells me that um we had a really good basketball year mm-hmm. and despite even the ups and downs we yeah. had a really good basketball season um and i would bet and i don't know I, this would be um kind of shooting from the hip but i bet if you put our age versus those 21 other teams we probably were the youngest if not one of the youngest um there weren't a lot of underclassmen playing in the final four yeah. Virginia started the one guard who was a freshman. But beyond that, yeah. I mean, Texas Tech's team was pretty much loaded with upperclassmen. Um, and so you can look down, you know, all those teams is the teams that do the best typically are the teams that are the most experienced. And, you know, that wasn't one of our traits, but yet we were 21st in the net. So, you know, we had a great year, and Coach is the perfect fit for this place. He's about as humble and um, – as honest as you're going to find, especially in a climate in our industry in basketball that you don't have to look very far to see um, what you don't want to have on your campus. And so um, I couldn't be more pleased to have Coach Brome and Coach Fenley as our basketball coaches. The, you, you just hit on the, the age thing, which is fascinating to me because it's like in college – I talked about this a lot on my show last night, actually. College basketball is such a deal where – the one and done guys get all the headlines. Uh, they're the ones leading off Sports Center, all that. Um, but it does seem like the trend is those teams aren't the ones winning when it matters the most. And it's just it's it's interesting to me because I mean if you look at the Big Twelve, Texas Tech and Kansas State, I would guess were the two most experienced teams mm-hmm. in the Big Twelve this year. It's a it's a fascinating climate to me. I was talking with Coach Prom on one of these last week because it's so hard for these guys now where everybody can test the waters is what they call it. And you really don't know what you have coming back until like June first. Right. Well, you know, and then the other factor that, you know, um your fan bases only know what they know. Yeah. Okay? Um 
I got news for people. If you went and sat in the ACC or you went to the Pac-12 or you went to the SEC, they could care less and wouldn't give a darn. They don't know who Lindell Wigington is or Taylor Horton Tucker is, mm -hmm. Cameron Lard. Come on. You, can we do that for their teams? No. You know, so we get so caught up in thinking we've got it. I mean, heck, we watch Purdue. You want a carbon copy who Lindell Wigington is. It was Carson Edwards, right? Yeah, yeah. But he was a junior. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, that's, that's a what, good point. Yeah. I mean, I texted Lindell during that game and said, are you watching this? Because that's you. You know, he's, Car he's, he's you next year if you want to play like that, you know. But do you think the people at Purdue were, you know, were they all caught up throughout the whole year that Carson Edwards is going to go pro? Or, you know, yeah. was there Randy Peterson when Carson Edwards was a freshman already having him gone before he ever played a game? Yeah. No. Okay. But, you know, we get so caught up in that. And um, the fact of the matter is nobody's ever as good or as bad as anyone thinks they are in one moment. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of really good basketball players around the country and a lot of good players that think they're all one and dones. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe at other programs, I don't know, because I'm not there, but my guess is maybe we, they don't anoint them as much because maybe they're used to having success. And because we haven't had this great success, when we get somebody, we over-amplify what we think they're going to do. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I'm kind of of the opinion, too, and I know there's all the movement going on, but the, getting rid of the one-and-dones, I almost think will help the college game. And I, th I think it goes in the sense of, like, look at the G League. They yep. have a lot of great players. The, I mean, the G League is full of pros, right? But this, there's nobody in the stands. Mm -hmm. The fans identify with the jersey, and they have an emotional connection to a university, and they've been watching it with their dad and grandpa for how many years. And I, I don't think college basketball needs, as great as he was, I don't think college basketball has to have a Zion Williamson or that group of, like, one to ten guys every year to be what it is. Well, let's let's talk about that. You know, Zion Williamson truly is a one-and-done. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy that there isn't anybody in the – rightful mind that doesn't look at him and go, he's ready to be in Some the NBA. Some people think he's a top 50 NBA player right, right. now. Okay. <laughs> Nothing against our guys, but our two guys aren't even in that conversation. No. Okay. So when we say, you know, the one and done will be good to be, you know, if, it, if the NBA, and, and, you know, that's another fact that, you know, everybody – including some of the big talking heads on ESPN, you know, try to make this an NCA issue. It's not. It's an NBA issue. Yeah, it has been the, the whole time. It has been an NBA issue the whole time. Mm -hmm. They don't want them because they want us to spend all our money and resources so they don't have to find out if Lindell or Talon are or are not. You know, they let us pay for that. It's right? their minor league. Right. But where the one and done, if it's gone, will be very helpful is there's way too many guys, and maybe not even the guys, but – their parents, their handlers, their whomever, that think they are one and dones, and it's a disservice to those kids because they're, you know, they're they're not enjoying the moment, they're not enjoying life. You know, um, I hope Lindell and I hope Talon make it. I do. Okay, they're yeah. good kids, right? But if they don't, they wasted a wonderful opportunity that they could have had here. That. Monte Morris got to have, and George Niang got to have, and Matt Thomas got to have, and Naz Long got to have. Mm -hmm. And do you think either one of them are better than those four guys? But those four guys got to experience something that they'll be able to take with them for the rest of their lives, and they're still going and pursuing what they ultimately wanted to, re to pursue. And, you know, for Lindell and Talon, we'll never know, right? Yeah. We'll never know because um, I hope that they go prosper at the next level. Um, but if they don't, Wow, they missed out on a, you know, a legacy opportunity that, that the four guys I just mentioned enjoyed. And, you know, five years from now, if Lindell and Talon come back to Ames, you think they're going to get the reception that no. George and Naz and Monte? No way. Absolutely no way because they're just going to be another name. And that's the part that I think the one and done has done a, just, a, a disservice to those kids because they're not in the moment. It, you brought up the um... – the minor league type thing for the for the NBA I was what I was thinking about this with the NFL the other day too because this uh, alliance closed yep it closed down shop and partly because from what I've read the this alliance of American football thought that the NFL Players Association and the NFL would eventually partner with it um, basically subsidize it like 
the NBA does with its G League. And I got to think, like, why would they do that, though? Because that's what you guys are They have us. Like, why would they – why would the NFL, with with all the concussion stuff, why would they take X amount more players and open themselves up to more lawsuits and subsidize that when they have the NCAA doing the exact same thing? Oh, I I agree 100%. And um, I actually said this at a meeting I was at at the Final Four this weekend is, um, you know, this whole – this this stuff about name, likeness, and image – you know, um, um, that league is a great example of a whole bunch of young men that all think that they have this tremendous value for their name, likeness, and image. Yet when the league folded up, what did we hear? Oh, the, you know, how the hardship they had because they couldn't pay for their lodging that night at a hotel. And I'm thinking, well, if, if you've got such a great name, yeah. likeness, and image, why didn't the hotel comp you? <laughs> Yeah, you know? to post it on your Instagram feed or <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so it's just another example of um, we have way distorted, way distorted the value of because we take a Zion, and you go there and anybody in the world that doesn't think that young man's got a tremendous amount of value, right? But he had a lot more value at Duke than he would if he'd been playing at um, Bethune Cookman. Yeah, well, look okay? at the kid from Murray State. Yes, kid Murray. No, he was until March. Right. You know, and so, um, but that's the one and done. The other hundred that think they could be a one and done are the ones that are missing out because they had a great opportunity to get a wonderful education, to get, um, to build a tremendous brand about themselves, um, you know, to become icons like our, the guys I've cited earlier. Yeah. And um, they get caught up in not doing it and, you know, whether it's the G League or the American Football League or we'll see what the XFL does, you know, <laughs> yeah, there just doesn't seem to be this appetite from the public to pay money to consume that like um, our media wants to just assume that if they are in the NCA, then we must be abusing that because they could be making all this. And 99.9%, I don't, I don't based on those leagues – doesn't appear that there's as much of value. Yeah, and I just I, – I always come back to, like, Iowa State's fans, and I want to get to that here momentarily, but every coach I've ever work, worked with here has said that it's the fans are the selling point uh, when right. you come to Iowa State. and They're buying the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. Correct. There's, they just totally are. I don't care what anybody says. That's what they're doing. Well, that's – my family's like that. I mean, we grew up an Iowa family, but then – you know, I came here and had some experiences here, and my wife and I got wedding pictures taken at the Campanile, and her sitting on Jack Trice the statue's lap in her wedding dress, and you you become bonded to a place. Right. Well, and look, you know, I, I used to say this after, you know, our attendance didn't go down after George Monte Naz left. Yeah. Right. And it's not going to go down after Lindell and them leave. It's just people are – they buy because they want to come support Iowa State. Mm-hmm. They, do they like it when there's really good basketball players there? Absolutely. Do they like it even more when they're great personalities and they, you know, people love – absolutely. But there'll always be another Jeff Hornacek. There'll be another, you know, um, Marcus Pfizer. There'll be another George Niang. There'll be another Monte Morris. There'll be another Lindell Wigington. There'll be another Taylor Horton Tucker because um, there's a lot of really good basketball players out there. You, you, um, I, I, I read and heard a little bit of your conversation when Alex Halstead did one of these with you, I think it was a few weeks ago, about like fan behavior and stuff. And you've mentioned this to me before. You mentioned it to me on a pregame show that we were doing before football on the Learfield one about how like as Iowa State's success rises, you don't want the people to change. How have you um, seen over the last year? I mean, I, I, there were some downs I know during the basketball season, and you displayed that to me. I mean, what would you say to the overzealous fans out there? I guess it's it's that fine line between being disappointed and being irrational. Yeah. Is really what it comes down to. Yeah. And um, you know, I what I've said is I the day you know the day Iowa State loses its stick which is a great fan base that's very passionate, very loyal, and very unique. 
you know, 50,000 fans for, what, 50 straight games in football, and we haven't had a lot of wins in that time yeah. period, right? Yeah. We're unique, okay? And the day we just become generic is the day that we start to lose an edge we've got. And, you know, I've because even the naysayers to that will say, well, coaches just need to be thick-skinned. They make a ton of money, blah, blah. I'm not saying that they don't need to be thick-skinned. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is the sum of those parts add up and you go, this job is a really hard job. It's harder than a lot of other places. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that makes it palatable and makes somebody like a Matt Campbell or a Steve Prohm or a Bill Fenley uh, or a Kevin Dresser want to be here is that our fans have been different. Mm -hmm. But if, our, if you take that away, if you take that away, then we're just another average job that's actually harder than most. And, you know, the day we can't appreciate um, what success really is. And Bo Ryan taught me this a long time ago, and it's, it's perfect for basketball. And our fans probably really ought to think hard about this one is when we hired Bo Ryan at Wisconsin, he said, I will get to the Final Four. And I, I remember asking him, I said, like, well, how do you know you'll get to the Final Four? And he said, because everyone thinks getting to the Final Four is, you got to have a team that's good enough to be in the Sweet 16. You know, you got to have the best team ever. And he said, you don't. What you just need to do is you need to consistently have a team that can get to the NCAA tournament. Because if you can consistently get to the NCAA tournament, getting to the Final Four is just winning four games. Two games on one weekend and two games the next weekend. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you give me 15 chances, I'll do that once or twice. And when I thought of it that way, think about it. Yeah. Give me 15 chances. That means give me 15 teams that are good enough to get the NCAA tournament, and I'll find one of them that will win four games in a row. And that's what he did. You know, were those Wisconsin teams the best teams this year? I don't know. But they got to the Final Four, right? But you got to get to the tournament to get to the Final Four. Now, if you really want to judge greatness, it's find a coach like a Dean Smith that put together like 20-some straight sweet 16s. That means you're finding a way to win those first two games every year, despite your seed, despite your injuries, you know, despite what's going on. You know, Tony Bennett, I mean, he gets there and he wins it last night, right? That's awesome, right? But were they disappointed or irrational last year when he lost in the first round and almost lost this year in the first round? At least you're for down half. 14. Right. You know, um, that just shows you how fragile it is. You know, Gene Cady. An awesome coach, never got to the Final Four, okay? Never got to the Final Four. Um, so That's a good point. Yeah, you know, so you want to be in the tournament. If you can be in the tournament, you just got to win back to, you know, you got to win four games in a row. And if you can do that, you know, give me 15 times to do that, you probably are going to do it once or twice. I feel like social media, too, is really, man, I don't know. I I go back to the, the Tony Bennett thing's a great, and I was guilty of this. When they lost last year and – by the way, and I'm a huge Tony Bennett fan. I actually have known him for a while. I love him. But, like, I, I remember going on the show the next day being like, well, you know, the style of ball that they so, play, yep. you're ripe for an upset. Yep. I totally overreacted to that. Yep. And then this year, I, I did the same style thing. Style of ball is why they got to the finals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I did that. Yeah. And, and, it, and this championship game is going to be so boring because it's just two defensive see, I, I teams. I did not do that because <laughs> – I'm a big Kim Palm disciple, and okay. I knew how good of offensive teams they were. They just right. play slow tempo. But I, this bothered me a lot during Iowa State's losing, and there's like some like revisionist history of, and I, you know, the Fred Hoiberg era was phenomenal. I'm not talking it down, but like, I, it it's like a Jordan Lebron conversation to me in a sense that like I feel like some of these fans will think back to to the Fred era like they never lost. Like there were down times there too. I mean, he had there were five NBA players on the team that lost to UAB, right? You know, and like I just yeah. like it. Well, here's here's the here's that the, drives me nuts because it's not that bad right now. Well, here's the narrative I love is, um, yeah, and and this I mean got to be really careful because because some people will overreact to what I'm about to say, but the fact matters. You're right. You just called it that UAB team that was loaded that lost in the first round, right? Yeah. Oh. Prom only won that first year because Fred left him a loaded team. Yeah. Well, that same loaded team <laughs> got bounced in the first round, and Prom took it to the Sweet 16, right? Yeah. Well, then it's, um, you know, this, you know, so then we obviously had to press reset after those first two years. No question. And, Every and, program has to do right. that. Kentucky played in the NIT not that long ago. Right. So, 
Last year was a big reset. We didn't have hardly anything in the cupboard. And then we come back this year with all kids prom recruited, right? And um, suddenly it's, well, with that much talent on your team, you know, how could you not win the Big 12, right? And you're going, well, who recruited all that talent? Yeah. Okay. Who put all those freshmen out there and put them in place? Oh, really? That's interesting. Same coach that, you know, so. Yeah. That just goes back to the irrational part of things, you know, and it, I, and, you know, I go back to there and a person listening to this broadcast that gets more disappointed than me, and I don't even get half as disappointed as those players in the locker room, okay? Um, and that's a good thing because disappointment, you think the Virginia kids were disappointed last year? They, you can bet your dollar they were unbelievably disappointed, but it wasn't irrational. And – um, irrational makes you do foolish things in the moment. Disappointment makes you rethink what you're doing and maybe come at it a different way or recommit to working hard or doing whatever. Um, and that's what I, going back to what started this part of the conversation is, um, we got an incredible fan base, yeah. an incredible fan base. It's an asset. Um, it's our secret sauce. I don't want that secret sauce to get wa watered down. There's only so much we can do. What I was saying on that interview I did a couple weeks ago was I challenge our fans to hold other fans accountable, to call them out. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and this isn't social media. This is not social media. That part's going to be there. But I see it. I feel it. I feel it with some of my friends. You know, go, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. since when did we become all, all you know, high and mighty at Iowa State that winning the Big 12 championship in basketball isn't, you know, isn't a great year, you know? And so, because, um, hey, go back to your college years. You would have loved to be past the first round of the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> never did. Yeah, never did. And when I was in college, right. I don't think that Iowa State won a single Big 12 tournament game. Maybe won one because right. it used to be a 12-team league, and I think they played the 12 seed one year. And maybe beat Baylor one time when they were going through all that. Yeah. But, yeah, like it was horrible. Right. Well, and then I get the people, well, you know, we don't want to do good in the Big 12 tournament because that, that's, just, that, that just means you're going to do bad in the NCAA tournament. Oh, really? Okay. So you'd give back four of those last six years where we won the Big 12 championship. And you're going, are you freaking kidding me? I mean, think about what you're saying, folks. But that's like, to me, that's, that's cherry picking too, though. Yep. Because I can point at uh, two come to mind where Syracuse and – UConn played on Wednesday in the old Big East tournament and weren't even tournament teams, won the tournament, worked themselves into the NCAA tournament, and made deep runs. UConn won the whole thing. Right. And I, to me, like, I hate it when people try and, and – this is Iowa State fans, not many. This is more Iowa fans, speaking from my other job. <laughs> but they try and like belittle the accomplishment of winning the Big Twelve tournament. And it's like that's a really hard thing to do. Well, it's a really hard it's thing, hard to, thing do. to do. But it, but you know, but it's a it's part of the season. It's an exciting moment. So you know, if we'd have went and laid an egg and lost in the first round, then everyone would be yeah. upset oh. about that too. So yeah. you know, it's um, that Which, goes just back to the irrational, um, disappointed piece. You know, and, and yeah. I know I've had a couple of really good donors that are good friends. You know that I would call as really good friends that didn't even go to the first two games of the Big 12 tournament, and then came down on Saturday. Yeah. You know, and I had another one that didn't even go to the Big 12 tournament because they said, oh, I, you know, this team. You know, but then they went to Tulsa. You know, and it's just like, you mean, are you on the wagon or are you <laughs> off the wagon? Just tell me because I don't want to get run over as you jump off the bus or get on the bus. Yeah. Because I'll just stay out of the doorway. Part of it too is it because the fan base has grown so much that you be you get more. Well, you taste it. You taste it, and then you want it all the time because it's like a drug, right? Yeah. You know, but it's um, – and that's okay. I mean, that's okay. I want them to do that. I'm just saying yeah. I'm not doing my job if I don't remind folks yeah, it's good leadership. about yeah. it's an asset, and it's an asset that allows us to attract great coaches. Matt Campbell came to Iowa State in large part because when he came and saw what we were doing when we stunk. Yeah. We were one in five, I think that year when we played them in the middle of the year and he was stunned that there were that many people in the stands and that many people tailgating so folks you were an asset that helped us get somebody and you can be an asset and helping us retain somebody um but let's not give away our asset i think it, you make a good point on the fans like 
watchdogging each other too. Because I do think that the fan base has grown so much. There's probably some some of the like Walmart fans where we we optimal jab at the Iowa Tavern, the Tavern Hawks. You said it. It's it's good to have some tavern clones, but I also think those might be some of the more irrational ones too, to some capacity. True. True, um, you know, and it's it's just which you know, we gotta have the tavern clones, though. right? We need but, some tavern clones. <laughs> but you know what I found with most people is you just you know you push back gently, and then most of them will back off their position. Yeah. You know the the ones that are gonna be off on you know there's there's the social media ones that half the time I think they're just that's their day in the sun. They get their little five minutes of yeah, five no, seconds of fame. But um, I'm talking more about you know when you're you're out to dinner and one of your friends says something and you go you know wait a minute. You know, who are we that we think that way? You know, maybe we ought to think this way instead. Yeah, that's good. All right, uh, I don't want to take much more of your time. Real quick, I just wanted to um, I wanted to hit on wrestling, too, because I thought it was a special year. I, I noticed just with our traffic numbers uh, on our website the amount of interest spiking in that program. Really fun. I, I, had, I was into it um, – more than I probably have been into Iowa State wrestling since I was a student, and I are you? Do you feel the buzz? As oh, well? absolutely! You know, it's been um, exciting to see. Um, you know, first of all, Kevin and his staff are doing an unbelievably great job. The the young men in that program are working really hard. Um, you know, Kevin is PT Barnum, so he's an unbelievable marketer and yeah. thinking about things that most wrestling coaches aren't thinking about. Um, the number of people, you know. Um, that are coming to the wrestling meets and new people that are coming to the wrestling meets. But, you know, part of what they're coming and seeing is um, kids that are in shape, kids that wrestle all seven minutes, kids that wrestle to the edge of the mat, they wrestle to the end of the period. Um, and it creates an exciting, mm-hmm. exciting atmosphere. And so, you know, that helps them want to come back or take more interest in the program. And you know, I think back to, I think it was two, two or three years ago at, uh, at our annual director's dinner, when, um, you know, going back to where we started this conversation and I said there was those five things we benchmarked, but, you know, there can be different goals along the way. And somebody asked me as well, as you go into your next decade, you know, what are the goals? And, you know, at that time I said, well, there's really three aspirational goals that I think about as AD. And that was, you know, number one, can we do something in football that totally captures the imagination of our fan base? And, um, you know, that box is, been checked and is continuing to be checked Mm -hmm. you know the Alamo Bowl was a great example but that was really the that was the example I was using back then I said like to go to an Alamo Bowl something we haven't ever done where our fans would just go there and flock well they did 30,000 so now we gotta you know is it the Sugar Bowl is it the Big 12 championship I don't know but can we continue to do something that really captures their imagination second thing I said was can we restore the wrestling program back to where it needs to be not only just for Iowa State because it's a blue blood for us. It's one of our rafter hanging banners. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it needs to be good for Iowa State. But r- Iowa State wrestling needs to be good for the sport of wrestling. Yeah, um, that's because so true. It just we're one of those programs that has that history that people take notice around the country. And so um, Kevin is well on his way to doing that. We're not anywhere near yet where we want to be because we have high goals. But um, they are – putting in place the foundation to do that. And then the third piece was, can we hang another banner in Hilton for a national championship? Um, I don't care what sport it is. You know, we don't play tiddlywinks, but if tiddlywinks was an option, I'd say (laughs) put it up there. But um, I don't care. There's no, I have no preference. There's um, just, could we hang another banner? Cause it's been 1994. So, you know, it's been way too long. We need another one up there. And so hopefully one of our teams will find a way to do that here in the very near future. We had a, um, we actually had, did something I never thought we'd be able to do with Cyclone Fanatic. We filled up an entire sports bar for a wrestling watch. Uh-huh. We did it for the Northern Iowa one because it was just on flow. Yep. And it, it was crazy. The atmosphere was awesome. I, did, I mean, I didn't think it was possible well, to get that many people to just go out on a Thursday night. Well, you know, we, we had to – um, you know, Kevin proclaimed we were going to get 10,000 people for that Missouri game. Jeez. And, you know, did a it, a Missouri that, match, excuse yeah. me. But, you know, did it uh, at his post-game press, post-match press conference where it was like, oh, wow, okay, I'm glad we told the marketing staff. Now we got two weeks to get this sucker done. But had the weather not failed us that yeah, day, we, really we were going to have an awesome crowd. Yeah. Um, and you could tell just where people were sitting in Hilton because um, you're looking and go, well, nobody would be sitting up there unless we sold a lot of tickets. Yeah. You know, there just was nobody around them because the weather prevented anybody from getting here. Um, 
So my take, you know, next year's home schedule, we've got Northern Iowa, we've got the Hawks, we've got Oklahoma State. So oh, that's we, a great schedule. It's going to be a great home schedule in wrestling, and uh, my guess is we will uh, have Hilton rocking. Then uh, final comment for me. I thought, too, there were moments this year with football where it felt like Hilton. West Virginia game was definitely one of those. Did you feel that, too? Oh, my gosh, yeah. That was a – you know, it was electric. And even oh. the coaches and the players have said that game, you know, there was just an atmosphere in the stadium that night um, that was really, really special. And, you know, this, again, this fall, we've got a great fall schedule to start. I mean, five of our first six are at home. You know, we get the Hawks here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, night games in the stadium are awesome. You know, I, I'm hoping, I, I have no reason to believe it won't be, but that, that Northern Iowa game will be, you know, on that Saturday night. Um, you know, hopefully the Thunder – lightning gods and goddesses will stay away from us. That was horrible. Yeah. But, um, talk about, I mean, you just teased all summer long I know. and then you get to kick off and you, you score a touchdown. Touchdown. Everybody's fired up. And then you say, Uh okay, who wants to put shade on this? Yeah. But, um, you know, it, you're right. I mean, Jack Trice stadium is, um, it can be a really special place and we saw it this past fall and, you know, you know, we got a long ways to go. We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. But there's an opportunity that we could be playing a really meaningful games in November. Um, and, you know, I've looked at the future. I've looked at the what's on that weekend we play Iowa. And, um, you know, I, I think it's we got a puncher's chance to maybe have game day here. That'd be so you know, cool. Um, I don't have any insight from ESPN on that, so I'm not, like, setting anybody up here. I'm just doing my own due diligence and looking at what other games are yeah. out there. We've clearly lobbied them to try to get it. Um, I think it could be potentially two top two 25 teams. teams. Yeah. That's really – I mean, that's what the ESPN folks said to me is it really comes down to they prefer to have ranked teams against ranked teams. So um, that could play itself out that way, which would be – it would be really neat. You know, and I, I know I've had some fans tell me, oh, we don't want it that weekend. We don't have to share <laughs> it with take Iowa. Take what you can get. You know what? Let's <laughs> make it. It would be a great thing for the state. Yeah. And, um, you know, it would be a really fun opportunity and, a, hey – Bring it on. You know, if that's game day and we're playing the Hawks, that's and Matt needs to beat them yet. So it would be a great opportunity to walk through that door, wouldn't it? It can put on a great show too. Yeah. That would be awesome. Thank you. I, I love coming in here and doing this with you. Well, thank I, you. For, I appreciate uh, your time. Well, appreciate you uh, you doing this. You do a great job. And, thank uh, you. Great job to you guys this year. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bother you again in August. Well, I say right. next time maybe we do a remote one or we do one of these from – we go visit our good friend T.J. Otzelberg. <laughs> Let's go. Out of Las Vegas because I kidded him. I Let's said, go. Yeah, T.J., it's going to be you – know, I, I try to get to several of his games every year. And I said, T.J., it's actually going to be easier I now because s- it's not a six-hour drive. I can I drive 45 minutes, catch a two-hour flight. I'm there. Funny thing is – and the weather will be better. Not, no, couldn't. I've never been to Vegas. You've never been to Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. Huh. And I told my when when he got that job, my wife just rolled her eyes. She goes, "Oh man," and I was like, "Yeah, I'm probably gonna go like four times a year now." <laughs> but well, I like Vegas not for gambling. I actually like it for uh, the shows are really good. There's good restaurants in Vegas. Yeah, and, I just um, if you're a, uh, if you're a um, uh, roller coaster guy. The roller coaster in the New York, New York is pretty good roller coaster. Really? Too. Where's yeah. that? Is there like a theme park there? No, it's just a roller coaster on the top of the hotel. Oh, okay. So See, I don't even know um, that. It's pretty – for a roller coaster guy like me, That I like that roller coaster. I feel like the old Las Vegas would be more suited for me. That's probably you. Yeah, you're right. From what I've heard. Yeah. But we'll see. Well, okay. we'll see. Well, you know, we're going to, hey, we're going to be playing a football game heard, there in the near future. Yeah, let's keep scheduling those. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate right. it.